Welcome back to Detroit Rising. I'm Chad Livingood, Senior Editor at Crane's Detroit Business. You're listening to the Detroit Rising Podcast. Uh, we are recording this week from Detroit Homecoming, a sixth annual event with Crane's Detroit Business puts on every year where we bring back expats, uh, former Detroiters and Metro Detroiters who have left the region, went off and, and worked in other parts, parts of the country, even the world. And we try to bring them back to Detroit to introduce them to what's going on in the city, get them to think about re-engaging the city, maybe uh, moving some of their businesses back to Detroit or moving back to Detroit altogether. And and we also really focus on highlighting um, people who have come back to the city as well. And my guest uh, on this segment is um, Stephanie Bird. She is uh, a native Detroiter, and uh, she spent most of her 20s uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, going to college and working. And uh, she is now a co-owner of The Block, a restaurant just next door down the street from uh, where we're recording at the Max Fisher Music Theater. Uh, Stephanie, welcome to Detroit Rising, and thanks for taking time to talk with us. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about your restaurant and, and, and the, your, the roots of your family in, in, the, in the restaurant business here in Detroit. Sure, absolutely. Well, we have owned Flood's Bar and Grill, which is one of the oldest black bars in the city. Um, we're going on 30 plus years. We're in Greektown. Um, so I grew up in the restaurant business and the hospitality business. And about 12 years ago, my father and his partner started to work on a little project. At the time I was in Washington, D.C., I didn't know much about this little project, but I knew they were acquiring parcels of land in Midtown. They didn't really let me in on the big vision at the time. So I didn't know what the the larger plan was. And you were how old at the time? At the time, um, I was in my early 20s. Um, Fresh out of college. you went Fresh out of college, hanging out in Washington, D.C., with no thoughts of returning to Detroit at the time. Um, You were living the dream. Living the dream. Um, And at the time, I was thinking about heading back to grad school. And I was debating whether to come... I considered actually coming to back to Michigan State, but I ended up staying um, in the D.C. area. I went to Johns Hopkins mm-hmm. for grad school. But, um, yes, so I ended up back here um, after they acquired these parcels of land, and they developed the entire block from Selden to Alexandrine. And I got the call that the project is finished. It's time for you to come home. Um, and I thought, come home? That wasn't part of the plan. We didn't discuss this. Uh, so for the first year or two, I actually commuted back and forth because I was so unwilling to commit <laughs> to uh, putting roots down in Detroit, um, which didn't work out too well. You know, they got half of my time here. Half your money on the plane flights. And exactly. Exactly. It, it wasn't a good deal for anyone at the time, especially my family. Um, so anyway, fast forward to um, five years ago, we when we opened our doors, We were known as the Grill Midtown, um, which was an upscale casual concept. And um, we had uh, contractors come in, excuse me, consultants come in, and they they, uh, created the whole idea and concept behind that business. We found out that that didn't work too well in Midtown, and we changed the whole concept and brand to something much more casual, um, and we think much more welcoming, to all of Midtown, which is pretty diverse. You described it to me as as, as as creating a cheers type bar that people could relate to and want to be back at and hanging out in. 
Exactly. Um, what have you done to try to create that atmosphere? Well, uh, we started by reducing our prices. That helps. Um, <laughs> which helped tremendously. Um, and we started with our happy hour. We wanted to build... Um, we wanted to build our happy hour up, which we were able to do by reducing our prices, changing our offerings. Um, and overall, we changed our offerings. Most people don't want to eat an expensive steak every night of the week. Right. Um, so we changed our offerings to, to items that you can eat just about every day, from a salad to a burger um, to some of our light appetizers, things you don't mind coming in for a couple times a week. Uh, and we also have wonderful staff that connect with our guests um and that's something that i i didn't find really anywhere in upscale casual do they know your name when you walk in are you greeted with a big smile many times our hosts greet our guests with hugs because they know them well well then that also speaks to the repeat business that you're that you're generating now you have some challenges now obviously when when you had the the grill midtown you had the the queue line under construction, which was killing a lot of businesses. Uh, as all these construction, uh, we want better roads. We want uh, maybe we want streetcars, uh, and and we want all this infrastructure. But it ta- it, it hurts somebody along the way. Uh, so you don't have pull up service. That's that's one challenge. So you have, but you do have you do do have the luxury of owning the parking garage around the corner, right? Right, we do. So um, during the queue line construction, we offered uh, free parking because um, that was really the only way to get around it. The streets were terrible at the time. Yep. Um, and I can really relate to all the other projects, all the other areas like the Avenue of Fashion, which is going through a hard time with construction. Tremendous, yeah. um, and some businesses didn't make it out on the other side. So we're, we're thrilled that we were able to keep it together. But we had a lot of support from... Midtown Inc. There was a whole coalition that was working to help support businesses that were affected, um, and we made it to the other side. Thank goodness. And you know, the block's been going for four years now. I mean, that's in the restaurant business. That's a little above the life expectancy of restaurants. It is. I feel like an old lady in the game now. Um, I didn't expect to make it this far. We didn't expect. The team didn't expect to make it this far. I work with um, my sister, who primarily works. Um, and runs floods and my cousin she works in the garden theater but we all support each other mm-hmm. um but we didn't know if we would make it this far so we're thrilled to be here um and we think the garden theater too is many people have heard about the block but they haven't heard about the garden theater and we're a wedding venue um and special event space so we think there's plenty of room to grow there yeah it's a pretty big trend right now, right now people want to get married in detroit mm-hmm. um and and so you, how how booked out are you right now? We're booked out for the next two years on Saturdays. So there is high demand um, for our wonderful space, um, which has a historic component as well. It was designed by C. Howard Crane, who is the architect of the Fox, the Fox Theater um, downtown. And um, at the time, it was one of his first... Um, designs so there's a lot of history and when you come to the garden theater i'll make sure you pop in next time okay um there's a lot of history you may have already been but there's a lot of history um it was a restoration project so we kept a lot of the original brick um a lot of the original molding and um some of the light features we kept yeah, and so your dad, remind me of his name. Um, Michael Bird. Michael Bird, and mm-hmm. then his business partner, George Stewart. George Stewart, Stewart yeah. yes. Uh, they, 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 
they snatched up some property in Midtown in 2007 when nobody was really buying blocks of Midtown. Um, and I imagine it looks, I mean, just what, what's, what's come of it uh, with Greylick's Coffee Company there. The Kresge Foundation's got its offices above that. you got a couple of little shops. Uh, you got Xfinity uh, and a couple of, uh, and then you got that, uh, tell me about that. There's that um, apartment building there as well. That was, yes. that was a new addition. Correct. Um, the 3909 Woodward Apartments, um, which um, George George's son runs, so it's all kind of in the family, yep. the family business. Um, yeah, those apartments, they went much faster than we expected. I mean, we were at capacity basically overnight. And this was years ago. We're talking about five, six years ago um, when folks thought there was no de- not much demand in Midtown. You know, you can't charge too much. People don't want to come down. You don't need, want to create barriers for entry into the market. But now, how many apartments are there in Midtown? Yeah. So we were one of the first. Um, and I have to say, my dad, Michael, and George, now at the ripe old age of 36, they were visionaries. I didn't appreciate it at the time, but they were. Yeah. And um, what's, what's the rent there now? What's the, what's the rents going for? you have an idea? You know, I believe the um, most expensive units, which are two-bedroom, two two-bath, um, which face south, so most of them have a view, are going for, mm, I think, about $2,000, yeah. $2,000 plus. Yeah, people th- would have thought that you'd be out of your mind right. 10 years ago to, to be developing that. Many people um, told us not to do it, right. you know. Yeah. Manage your expectations. Sure. So, um, moving forward, um, how do you um, how you build on this success, and 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 what's you know what do you think Midtown needs next to kind of continue to complete this neighborhood? Ooh. Well, uh, I live in Midtown too, so I can say that Midtown still needs still needs some infrastructure. So, unfortunately, um, we still need the casual bodega to grab some essentials. Yep. We still need, I mean, a target would be lovely, right? But put that on a, a, a long wish list. Um, I'll tell Sue Mosley you said that. Yes, I think she'd agree. I think she'd agree. <laughs> we need a target, Sue, or a Meyer. Um, but Midtown, we have the, the ability to have everything here, right? There's space. You can get everything done here if we just had those few essentials. You can get um, personal grooming, the, the tin, the new nail shop, um, there are plenty of restaurants up into Grand Boulevard. Um, so there's lots of opportunity, but um, we still need a few more items because in major cities, you don't even have to leave your neighborhood, right? Everything is within walking distance. Sure. And Lincoln uh, Park, Chicago is a great, great example. Mm-hmm. I think about a lot because I got friends who live there. Um, you can pretty much within 10 block radius walk to, to everything you just, just described. Yes. Um, and that's, that should be the goal for Midtown. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. We're not far off. I think it's doable. I mean, the DGC a couple a year and a half ago or so, they did this study. They showed that Detroiters are spending $2.6 billion a year in the suburbs uh, mm-hmm. for um, goods and services. Um, is someone to lose in Midtown? You're, I mean, are you still driving out to the suburbs for various things? Unfortunately, yes. I still drive out to the suburbs. Um, to go to the gym, um, but I have a few gyms, so there's one in the city and one outside of the city. Um, I probably go outside of the city twice a week, yeah. um, but I'd like to stay in the city as much as possible. Sure, yeah. sure. As for your business, um, uh, you've, you've, you've developed a lunch crowd. Um, mm-hmm. 
do you find that that there's um, more and more people you know seeking out lunch or getting on transit and going to lunch in Midtown every day? Uh, I actually find that there are more people who are willing to go out for dinner. Okay. Um, lunch can sometimes be a tough crowd because people have uh, only an hour. Um, and so we have to make sure we, we accommodate those folks as quickly as possible. But we noticed that dinner is really growing. People have the time. They like to spend it. Our happy hour crowd is growing. Uh, and Sunday brunch uh, is a hit. Who knew? We have a DJ for Sunday brunch, and we, we didn't expect it to be such a hit. In fact, we're considering starting Saturday brunch, which very few restaurants have. Um, mm-hmm. So in the near future, we expect to have Saturday brunch. Well, and there's clearly a, a big demand for brunch uh, mm-hmm. in this town. And, yeah. And, and for a while there, there was not enough places to go to brunch. I could remember going, trying to go into uh, Hudson's uh, Cafe, and mm-hmm. it was like a two-hour wait for yeah. brunch. I'm like, okay, now we'll just not eat. Uh, but, Come a long way. Uh, but, yeah, the, 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 there's not a lot of, um, you know, there seems to be a demand there. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So you're responding to what the customers are telling you. You're finding you're you're just sort of learning to adapt and find new ways to to make money. Absolutely. And I find when I am on the floor running a shift, um, folks stop me and they want to share. Um, they want to share their experience and how we can improve, what we can do, what changes we can make to make things better. Um, and Saturday brunch is usually at the top of the list. So, yeah, we are learning to listen to our customers and adapt quickly. I think that's the big lesson I've learned is when a customer gives you some feedback, don't just write it on a, a board and come back to it a month later. Respond as quickly as possible. Tell me a little bit about your staff and, 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 and the, the challenge of keeping together good workers cooks uh, all that that kind of comes along you had a you worked in marketing and and this was must have been a uh, a sea change uh, experience for you absolutely it was completely foreign to me um and i didn't understand the concept of uh continuously hiring and i didn't know that it would be so difficult in this market honestly because i thought many people are getting into hospitality it shouldn't be that difficult um, and as time has gone on, it's become increasingly difficult, more difficult because there are restaurants popping up everywhere every couple months. So there's a lot of competition. And um, we have a few staff members that have been with us since we were the grill. So we've had some folks that have been very loyal and have been with us for years and years. And the same for Floods Bar and Grill. We've had some employees that have been with us since um, – I actually, you know, they've been with us for the last 30 years. Since you were a kid. Since I was a kid. So they're family. Yeah. Um, and we embrace anyone that stays around um, as family. So it should be interesting to see how we're able to navigate these waters with the, difficult, with the difficulty finding staff, people that are interested in the field. I think there's not as much interest as I would expect. Do you think the city needs to be working on that, uh, sort of developing better developing a hospitality pipeline. I know there's some efforts up at uh, Go Lightly uh, High School, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and I've been contacted by the city because um, they were able to pass along a couple applicants to me, and actually we hired a few too. So I know they're working on it, but um, the demand is just so high. Restaurants are opening so quickly, that, um, and most of them are staying open. Uh, so I, I actually think the restaurant – 
I think we need to come together. Um, there's most people probably don't support that, but I think we've got to work together. Um, and I have a few friends that own a couple other restaurants, and we we pass applicants along. He's not a good fit for me. I think he'll he'll work for you. Um, I've worked with um, Ali at Starters and a few other other restaurants and bars, um, and that's how we get by. Finally, uh, we, and we've been for our listeners, we've been talking with Stephanie Bird, co-owner of the Block Restaurant in Midtown. Um, as a, a woman of color and black entrepreneur in this city, what would, advice would you have for other women of color and, and African Americans who want to become small business owners? That is a great question. Um, utilize your network. A lot of folks don't feel like they have a network, but you, in fact, have a network. Your friends are your network. Your family is your network. Detroit is such a small community. I always tell people, I don't even think there's one degree of separation. So if you're utilizing the folks you know um, to make the contacts, even to get the introductions, um, I think that will benefit most um, young entrepreneurs, um, especially women of color. Stephanie Bird uh, with, the, with the Block Restaurant. Thank you for joining us here on Detroit Rising. Thank you. I'm Chad Livingood, Senior Editor at Crane's Detroit Business. You've been listening to the Detroit Rising podcast. If you're listening to this podcast on SoundCloud, please uh, subscribe to the Crane's Detroit Business uh, channel on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.